Hello and welcome to our Grains Combo podcast series brought to you by the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development. These short podcasts aim to assist grain growers by delving deeper into our research projects that target crop protection, crop production, soils and genetics in broadacre crops. I would like to acknowledge the Noongar people on the land I am recording this podcast and the Aboriginal people of the many other lands Deepherd operates. I would also like to pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. My name is Jeanette Pratt and I am a research agronomist based at Deepherd's Moore office. Today I'm going to be talking with Glenn Ruthmuller who's based at Deepherd in Meriden about grain losses at harvest and how to minimise them. Hello and welcome to the Grains Convo podcast, Glenn. Uh, how are you? Yeah, thanks very much for calling, Janet. Uh, uh, no problem at all. Glenn, your official title is a research scientist, but can you tell us a little bit more about what your role at DPERD is and how long you've been there for? Uh, let's see. Um, well, I haven't been here that long, really. I only just the other day ticked over 40 years and nine days, but uh, but I haven't really been counting that much. But my background is more in uh, agricultural engineering, I suppose. I'm from a farm over in Queensland and... Um, I did a um, an engineering degree in the Toowoomba and then went on to do a master's in Oklahoma State for two years and then arrived here at Meriden. So um, that's where I've come from and my work involved in anything to do with farm machinery really from seeders, sprayers and harvesters. So uh, any anything at all with, with mechanical means I suppose I've uh, had a bit to do with over the years. So Glenn, you're quite well known for your research into the areas of minimising harvest losses and harvest setups. How did you come about that you started researching in this area? Well, I suppose harvesting has always been in my background. My father uh, used to do a little bit of contract harvesting for other growers. And uh, I remember him telling me once that uh, if you have a good crop, he'll get all of it. If you have half a crop, he'll get half of it. And even though that's a little bit of a stretch, but the, the idea is that the better the crop, the better chance you have of harvesting it all. Well, when I came to WA, you know, the one of the first things that people were complaining about was the harvest losses in lupins. So uh, our team of people here, we organised to get some uh, high-speed photography done using the, the cameras that they were using for Dennis Lilly's bowling action, actually at UWA, and we got them out to take some shots of lupin harvesting and uh, watching that slowed-down video uh, from the uh, tape from the old uh, wine film job. It was amazing to see just seeds flying everywhere and based on that video we got some fun to to do some work on lupin harvesting so uh, I was involved in all that earlier on and um, I guess it's just carried on from there. Glenn can you tell us a little bit about harvest losses and how much grain is actually lost due to harvester setup? Uh, Yeah this is interesting because um, more recently the uh, GRDC funded the FACI group to look at uh, losses in all crops around the state as as a snapshot just to see how how things are going, and uh, that report was interesting, showing that um, yeah, the losses in wheat is still up around the two percent, and one point one of that was actually through the machine losses. We like to keep those losses through the machine to less than one percent if possible. Uh, barley was a bit worse, two point four beforehand or at the front, and two point two through the machine. Canola was point nine percent before, and two point three through through the machine, so it's a bit higher through the machine there. But then the, the biggie was lupins, and we're still still having a combined total of 11% there, whereas about 85 of that was actually at the front and a 2.7 through the machine. So I'm surprised we're still losing a fair bit through the machine as well. But, uh, yeah, on average, we're still not doing as well as we could. And 
When you convert that into the current prices of, say, with wheat, that's around $28 a hectare, and lupin's about $80 a hectare. And uh, some of those lupin cases were just phenomenal. Some of them were right up around 40% losses, which is just huge, which is sort of like the losses we were doing you know, 30 years ago. So it seems like lupin harvesting is still a bit of an issue. Even though the area of lupins in the state is reducing, uh, we still seem to have a, a problem with harvesting them. Glenn, just with harvester set up, can you tell us whereabouts in the harvester most of these grain losses are occurring? Uh, certainly the reel and the knife set up is where we tend to lose a lot. And with all crops really, the, the first thing is um, the reel. We did have a survey done here a few years ago looking at, by our vet actually, Roy Butler when he was here, looking at how much grain was on the ground for sheep feed. And he found to surprise that most of the grain was actually in full heads, like full heads of wheat and barley and full pods of, of lupins. And he said, that's great because the, the sheep can actually eat that better than if it was free seed. But I thought it was terrible because why are we losing full heads? And I think it's the reel was actually too, too far down into the crop and actually the bar of the reel was knocking the, the, uh, the heads off. Whereas normally the reel's only got to be just in the crop enough to pull the, make sure it falls back onto the table. So having the reel down too low and possibly the reel going too fast. I have seen cases where the, you see barley particularly going round the reel. And it's because the reel is going faster than ground speed. So normally we have it set to just about equal to or slightly faster than ground speed. But if it's going too fast, of course, it's batting it and potentially for carrying it round and therefore dropping heads on the ground. So the reel is important as well as the, the crop divider. The crop divider can actually knock a fair bit of crane to the ground too. So it's important to have the crop divider uh, working for you rather than against you. And particularly in lupins, sorry, in uh, canola, it's handy to have a, an end cutter. It's like a vertical knife that actually cuts through the, the crop to make a lot easier transition, whereas if it's not cut there in a good heavy crop, the plants are sort of pulled over the guard and that tends to knock pods to the ground. So uh, that's an important area as well. Then you get to the knife as the next bit where the, the plant, uh, whatever it is, is going to be cut. Now, unfortunately, the, the knife seems to be the bane of my life. Every time I go and see a brand new header, I see the knife is actually not set correctly. The idea of the knife, it should be like a pair of scissors. There's a, a knife section is the sharp bit and I like to drag my finger along the edge of the knife there of that section and it should prickle your finger. If it doesn't prickle your finger, it's not really that sharp and so it's not as good for cutting. And then the next thing is that knife section has got to cut against the guard, which is the lower part on the on the, the header. And if I've seen knives where that... Um, uh, is floating up and down and it, it misses the, the, the guard altogether. So there's no actual cutting action like a pair of scissors at all. And so I suggest to uh, growers to have a good look at that. If they do have to take their knife out to replace sections or something, that's the perfect time to try and get these guards lined up. And uh, the guys from primary sales tell me what they tend to use is like a, a piece of flat steel about 600 or to a metre long and say three mils wide and uh, or deep and 25 or 40 mils wide and push it through the guards. And so it should be able to keep pushing it through each guard and following on to the next one. So if you come across one that it hits into, well, then you get onto that guard and bend it. It tends to bend the, the mounting point, not the actual guard itself. So it's okay to put a bit of pipe on it and move the guard accordingly. So it just tends to bend the mounting area. So that's fine. The, the guard itself, they tend to be quite hard. So they're very rare to break one of those so get them all lined up so the knife falls from flat and push this uh, piece through or if the knife is not taken out same thing just bend the guard until the, the knife section touches the bottom of the guard nice and flat so it cuts like a pair of scissors 
and that makes a big difference to, to particularly crops like lentils. Um, but um, yeah, all crops is better. It, it's a cutting action rather than a tearing action. Whereas I have seen soldiers through of, uh, of brome grass in a paddock, and you think, why is there all these brome grass plants standing up? And it's possibly because the knife is not cutting properly, because brome grass is a very thin stem. So if the knife is not touching the guard properly, like a pair of scissors, it won't cut it. It'll just pull through. And I think that's what's happening. That's some fantastic tips there on how to set up your reel and your knife and to set your ground speed and, you know, your reel speed, um, Glenn. You've said that the reel and the knife is one of the major places where you can lose grain. What about something like your feeding systems? Is there something in there that you can rectify? Yep, for sure. Now, with canola, that was always a bit of a problem with the big canola plants coming in. We've got sort of full-length augers now to go along the top of the... Uh, particularly on belt fronts, to try and help pull that big bulky material in. And with those fronts that still have an auger, well then retractable fingers all the way along the full width of the auger also helps to pull the, that bulky material down under the under the auger itself. Belt fronts are good because they actually feed the crop in head first, which is great for the threshing action. But the feeder house chain has to be adjusted as well because if it's not correctly uh, tensioned, it can help like, bring the uh, material back around and feed it round and therefore throw it out the front. And on the belt fronts too, on the um, the GRDC harvest forums that recently been going around, the uh, people there were mentioning putting a, a rubber flap in the centre just behind the knife where the drapers come in uh, to help feed the stuff over that little gap to stop the, the grain falling through and get it back onto the actual uh, the belt that takes it back into the feeder house. So that's another thing to look out for. So you've spoken about the reel and the knife and the feeding system. What about when it actually gets further into the harvester? What about when you're threshing and cleaning the grain? Yes, well, certainly the threshing and cleaning is a very important area and that's where there's a lot of adjustments that can be made. And I suggest you always make one adjustment at a time and then check uh, rather than doing uh, adjusting two or three things and then finding, well, which didn't work or whatever. So generally the first thing is the rotor or drum uh, speed and the concave setting. Those two things tend to uh, vary and can change a lot. So during the day, for instance, in the morning, you may have to have a higher rotor speed to, to actually thresh the uh, the grain out of the heads as it's a bit tougher. And then as the day warms up, um, if you keep that same high speed and close concave, say, you'll over-thresh it and then overload the sieves with all this extra material. So during the day, then you might have to adjust both those to keep the um, material flowing easily through the rotor and not, not ending up on the sieve. Um, the clearance of the concave, same thing, you can adjust that. And uh, these forums going around too, they're mentioning that uh, to get better capacity out of the header with the same sort of losses, they found that opening the wires on the backside of the uh, concave, or the last sections of the concave, to have them quite open. Some harvesters, they were quite closed there and it doesn't let it through. And so you end up with rotor losses. So having a a wider section there in the uh, in the concave is important uh, for improving capacity. Then as you get down to the sieves, of course, we generally start with uh, high fan, fan speed and then cut back only if you need to. Uh, same with the top sieve settings and the bottom sieve. Keep them open a fair bit. The, the more the sieves are open, the more air comes through. Uh, as you close them down to stop uh, you know, losing grain, you actually increase the air speed so it can push more, more out. So you've got to... Uh, really be careful about how you adjust that. And if you cut those down too much, of course, you cut your capacity, uh, which we don't want to do. Yeah, so that's probably the main things that cleaning area. 
we've got these fantastic tips on how to set the harvester up to minimise the losses. How can we actually measure what our losses are? Is there any tips that you can give us there? Well, certainly the uh, the drop trays are the uh, certainly the way of the future. I think everyone should probably have a drop tray to uh, which is like a magnetic uh, tray that hooks on underneath the back of the harvester or to the side if you're trying to measure front losses. And then you press a button and it drops the magnets let go and it drops a tray on the ground and then the harvester goes over and puts material in it. Uh, and the best ones I think to buy are those that come with a little cleaner. I mean, they, sure they might be expensive, but then throwing grain out uh, the header too is expensive. So. I think it's worthwhile and uh, then you just collect the stuff off the tray, pour it through the little cleaner, weigh the grain and then with the little calculator that comes with it you work out what your losses are and then you can change it again uh, accordingly. And the main thing there is you've got to do it quick because no one wants to waste time measuring losses and then you find you well, you just lost an hour in your time you know, harvesting. So it's got to be done quick and that's where I think these drop trays with a cleaner that perhaps the, the chaser bin driver could do that while you're still harvesting so you carry on. Um, and save time, you know. But drop trays is certainly uh, an idea that, you know, the recent things that, that uh, is the best way of measuring that. And from that survey they did, the, those using drop trays were generally 1% better with or, or less losses than those that don't use drop trays. And I think that's just an indication that when you're measuring something, you can do something about it. If you don't measure it, you don't know what you're losing. So, uh, yeah, and then certainly with... Uh, people with destructors for crushing weed seeds and whatever, if you're not measuring your losses, it's a, it can be a lose-lose because you could be losing grain out the back and then destructing it into dust. Uh, and that, that grain, particularly in wheat, is really hard. That's why it's called a hard wheat. That hard wheat can uh, wear the, um, the bars on your destructor. So by checking, and some of them have the door that you can open so you can check your losses, um, then you have a win-win with your destructor. So you saving grain as well as saving wear. Glenn, can I just take you back to earlier on, you were talking about how high the losses are in lupins. Why are lupin losses so much higher than what you get in cereals? I tend to think it's the conditions when we're harvesting. Um, when we did with some work years ago, we, we tried some work like at five o'clock in the morning versus midday and just amazing at five o'clock in the morning you could kick the plant and you couldn't knock pods off whereas in the middle of the day there's just pot flies off everywhere so i think the the weather conditions cool damper conditions are ideal for harvesting lupins unfortunately we don't have a variety that's like got a pod guard treatment that makes the pod stick on better at the moment but uh, so in the meantime we can just go with i think better weather conditions or harvesting at night as long as a nice clean paddock where you can harvest at night uh, where it's cooler, um, so you're not losing so much out the front. Yeah, that's probably about all we can do. And why it's so bad is probably, yeah, I guess we, <laughs> because with this less area now we're doing lupins. Of course, there was was one other thing. The aerials were popular years and years ago, and I think they've come back a bit too. And uh, if more people were growing lupins, they might consider more air, aerials. The the new ones have got fingers out the front, so you can lift it out of the way for tall crop and then just drop it down when you need it. And um, aerials can save uh, losses at the front as well, I think. Uh, coming up into this harvest season, I know your harvest has started already for some and we're expecting some pretty big yields. Have you got any other tips for growers coming into those big yields? Yeah, given we are facing a big crop, the last thing anyone wants to do is slow down to reduce losses. So if you do start measuring losses and you go, oh, we can go get better losses, by, reduce losses by going slower, 
Well, that may not necessarily cut it because uh, we really want to get the crop off as quick as we can. We don't want bins closing on you before you get it done. And also now harvesters, they're up around six to $700 an hour to, to run them. So if you're going to take longer in the paddock to take the crop off, well, you, you're losing more money on depreciation of your harvester. So we really want to keep the capacity up and keep the losses down. That's, that's the sort of the main aim, the win-win thing. Um, but yeah, otherwise we, we're not aiming at the right thing, I think. And for this year as well, because we've got big crop, we potentially for big amounts of dust, uh, fire risk is always a nasty one. So always have the, you know, the firefighters ready to roll, uh, and blowing down the dust regularly, particularly with pulse crops, you know, lupins and chickpeas or whatever. They tend to, the dust from them tends to be a little bit, uh, more likely to catch fire. So blow those down regularly. And, of course, the other big one is uh, work hours. You know, people, if you can't get workers, you tend to work longer hours. Well, long hours can uh, is okay for a few days in a row, but if you're continuously doing very long hours, that, that's the recipe for an accident. And the last thing we need is anyone having an accident. Everyone deserves to go home safe every day. Farmers are no different. So uh, I think that's an important thing for safety. Thanks for joining us today, Glenn. You have just listened to Glenn Ruth Muller from DPIRD. More information on minimising harvest grain losses can be found on the DPIRD website www.agric.wa.gov.au. If you like this podcast, you can download and subscribe to DPIRD's Grains Convo podcast series on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. My name is Jeanette Pratt and thanks for listening.